children open the shoe boxes they're so excited those faces just transform yeah these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes the mouth is wide open the voice is raised the smiles are all over 
that God brings joy. We're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited, giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders, it knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in field shoe boxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider packing shoeboxes year-round. God will bless, and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one of you. Maybe you're new to Only Believe, or you've just been here a while observing, but you're not involved. You know you're a part of a bigger picture, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Pastor Nicole. I'm asking you to become a member here at Only Believe. Spend a Saturday morning with me, the first Saturday of the month, and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we pray for your life. I wanna discuss it with you. You know, it's important that we know who God is and then when we know who he is, our soul and our hearts begin to change. And we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm gonna help you discover your purpose. We're gonna go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're gonna do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for Next Steps. You will definitely see what's next for you.
day. Light. Daylight. Say. I'm actually going to take the extra hour to study God's word. <laughs> okay, because I'm doing that too, but just in bed with a lamp. Well, good morning, church. Good reminder, right? Set your clocks back. Great reminder. Welcome to church. We're so glad to have everyone here today who's alive and well today. Hallelujah. Is Church is an exciting place. We love to be here together as the body. I want to welcome all the live streamers out there, whatever platform you're viewing on. Welcome to church. This is church online for you. We'd love to have you here. Also, if this is your very first time in this building, there is a card on back of the pews. It's red and black and says, let's get connected. If you would just fill that card out and drop it off at the Welcome Center or in the offering buckets, we'd love to just reach out to you and welcome you. I got two more things for you. Number one, there is a card on all of your seats that says The Blessing. Everyone see that card? What are we supposed to do with that card? Give it away. Invite someone to church. We want to invite people to church. So we're putting these cards in your hand that are so easy to invite someone to church. I like to, when I pump gas, I like to leave it at the gas station. We put it with a tip when we pay at a restaurant. We've given it to our neighbors. Just invite someone to church. We are starting the series next week. It'll be a four-week series called The Blessing. So we would love to have more people in this church. Amen? Why? Because we love Jesus. And we want to see lives change. We want to see people saved for the kingdom. It's not just about, it's not just because we want to grow the church and the church look full. No, no, it's about the lost getting saved. Amen? Amen. One more thing for you. We need some coats. Here at the church, we give away coats at wintertime. We, get, we go to the Chester Carey Dinner in Lima, and we pack up a ton of coats. But we, our clothing room is in need of coats. So if you would go through your coat closet, who has a coat closet? Things get lost in my coat closet. Like, I never know what's in there. But if you could go through your coat closet and see if there's any gently used coats that we could have, just drop them at the bins at the door, and we would love to give those to people in need. Amen? Who's ready to worship? I'm so ready to worship. I've looked forward to this day of worshiping with my brothers and sisters in the faith. Amen? If you would stand to your feet. Come on, let's worship the Lord this morning. Make 
gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Oh, 
He's the only one who can. Amen. He's the only hope we have, not just in 2020, but every year, every day, every minute. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, say amen one more time. Amen. Amen. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord. I hope you felt refreshed. Just praising the Lord. Hallelujah. It's like the battery just gets filled up and we're ready to go again. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's our tithing offering time in the house today. So if you uh, need a tithing offering envelope, one of the guys are around here for you. But there's also some probably right there in the back of each pew. Um, and you can grab one there as well. I want to change it up just a little bit today. So as you get prepared, just take a look at the screens here this morning. Okay, maybe we need to go over this one more time. Do we have to? Well, sweetie, I don't know if you're getting a good grasp of the ratios here. Fine. Okay, all right, step by step. Before we spend any money, what's the first thing that we do? Give to God. Good, and why do we do that? Because he first loved and gave to us. Good, 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 good. Okay, great. Now, the second jar here is for so many different things. Hold on. What? God lives in heaven, right? Yeah, he lives in heaven. And heaven has streets paved with gold, right? Streets paved with gold, sure, yes. So why does he need my money if I don't even have a job? <laughs> okay, all right, so good question. So basically when we give to God, we're, we're giving to the church. So the church gives the money to God? No, the church keeps the money. Oh, does God know about this? <laughs> yes, he uh, basically built the system, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. See, sweetie, as you grow up, there is nothing better than giving back to God. In the Bible, it's the only place God says, test me on this. When it comes to your money, he says, test me. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you. And your mom and I, we do just that. Even when things are tough... We always give the first part of our money back to God. And then the church takes that money and does all kinds of things to make God famous, uh, like camps and mission trips and even VBS that you love so much, and even helps out people that are in need. You can't outgive God. And when God says test and you do it, he will come through every single time. Okay, Dad, I get it. I do have one question, though. Oh, okay. Why do we need to test God if he already knows all the answers? That's, that's good. Let me just retrace my steps here just for a minute. Oh, that's our kids, amen? Hallelujah. You know, I love that so much because when our kids were small, we did just that. And I hope that you are doing that with your small kids because kids learn from patterns. Patterns. And you may have done the same thing. We always set something out there. God always is first and then whatever is next. I hope you're setting those type of patterns for your kids at home because they'll never forget it. And when they get old like you and me, we continue to do those same things. Maybe not the jar and maybe the jar. But we do different. Nicole and I have a miracle box system that we use now. So it's not jars anymore. 
It's envelopes. <laughs> and we always give to God first. And we have our seed money and so forth and so on. So I hope you're doing that. And just what he said, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. If we will obey and do what he said to do, then he will bless us. And it will work every single time. Amen. Let's stand up so we can pray over our tithes and offerings today. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for what you've done already in this service. God, as, as we sacrifice our love and our praise and our praise offerings to you, God, I thank you you're even filling us up even now. And God, I thank you that joy is being restored. Father, hope is being restored through the song service, God. And we'll continue to be, Lord God, as the message comes forth. We thank you, Father, that as we obey, you also give back to us. God, press it down. Shake it together. It will run over. Your word will not return void in our lives, whatever we're believing for. I thank you that we've received it in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the testimonies coming forth for it. And everybody said amen and amen. You can come on up and bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord this morning. Thank you. Hallelujah. God is in the midst of changing seasons in our lives. He's in the midst of changing seasons in our world. But God is really changing the seasons of our life, calling that which could be saved to be saved. That is time for change. Seasons of what I would call ordinary Christendom without Christ being Lord is about to come to an end. Let men see their sins, acknowledge them, and turn from them. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to be sanctified. You know, God sanctifies us for seasons and he sanctifies us for purposes. But if we don't respond to that sanctification, what is the sanctification? It is a separating from old things or things that are defiling, polluting, things that are not God, and allowing ourselves to be cleansed from them 
And it, in, it does include not only God, but it includes your will and your intensity and your focus. And then we are positioned by God to be what God wants us to be. Hallelujah. I uh, heard this statement. Uh, this man was, uh, had a partner. And uh, a lady said, you know, he is the best Christian that I know. In fact, he is a youth leader. And uh, God loves him so much that he warned him of his end. But this lady said, he is the best Christian I know. And the response was, how could he love God and still do what God said not to do? And she said, well, you know, he was born that way. It doesn't matter how you got the way that you got. You are still in charge of your earthly tabernacle. Amen? I am attracted to women. Uh, I was born that way. And uh, I lived a life of no restraint. And uh, I did all kinds of things, sold women, uh, traded women. I mean, I traded them for things as little as a pack of cigarettes when I was vice president of the Skulls of Ohio. But when I got married, that didn't too much stop. But when I got saved, I have never fornicated, been unfaithful from that day forth. Now, it doesn't mean that I still don't like women, but it means that Jesus Christ is Lord. It means that he draws my boundaries of that which he declares to be holy. And I, as an individual, have a choice. I can be a Christless Christian or I can be a Christ-ruled Christian. And in our society today, we have entirely too many Christless Christians. And I would just say this to you. There is no lust that is greater than the uh, enablement to resist it by God. There is no temptation greater than you can resist with the enablement and empowerment of God. And so no matter what is coming against you, no matter what you think that you have been overcome with, you, as an individual, if you are a Christian, you have to make a choice. You can be a Christless one, but the end of a Christless Christian is in eternity without him. And you know that that's called hell. Oh, I ain't going to hell. God knows my heart. 
That's right. He knows wickedness rules in every man's heart. But there is a point in time that you have to decide, will I be a eunuch for the kingdom's sake? Or will Jesus be Lord of my life? Or will I be led by the spirit of disobedience, by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the mind? We have to make choices. Amen? Now I'm talking to somebody today. And the sad thing of it is, I hate to tell you that many people won't even hear the voice of truth when it comes to them. Because they are lovers of selves more than the lovers of God. But you have to contemplate that. Because the days of balance are coming. And you don't want to be found out of balance with God. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. All right. Let's turn our Bibles today to 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21. I want to talk to you about disinheriting yourself. Now, you might think that's a strange title, but we disinherit ourselves from so many things by the mindset and the words that we speak and by the lives that we live. And in, instead of, well, I'm going to, can I have a Genesis, 5, a Genesis 17 to 15 up on the screen? Now this is, I'm going to read this and then we're going to get into our message. The word disinherit means to change one's will or to take other steps to someone inheritance of one's property. In other words, if someone wrote out a will and said, this is what you have to do to inherit this, and you changed your course of action and took another step or another direction, you would become disinherited by your own choice. And then it means to cast off. It means to disown. It means to cut yourself off. It means to reject that which has been offered. It means to turn aside from those steps that have been ordered. It means to turn oneself's, one's back upon opportunity. So I want to talk to you today about disinheriting that which rightfully belongs to you. Now let's go to Genesis 17 and verse 15. Remember, Abraham is the friend of God. Abraham has a promise. That promise gives hope to Abraham in a hopeless situation. I mean, the first time that Abraham has a child, he's 86 years old. And he has it with Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden. 86 years old. This is before Viagra. 
and this is before Cialis or whatever testosterone you can buy in a bottle. This is before that. So Abraham has the promise. And in fact, a few verses later in Genesis 17, 1, God says, I am the almighty God. I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Now, God has already declared his inheritance in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, but now he reinforces it in Genesis 17, 1. But this is Abraham trying to disinherit himself. And God said unto Abram, For Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of all nations. Kings and people shall be of her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and he will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be got, shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. And my covenant will I establish with Isaac, with Sarah, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went, up from Abraham. Now think of that. God speaks to Abraham just like God speaks to us in a living word. Yet Abraham pronounces a disinheritance of his God-given potential, his God-given promise. He says it can't happen. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that? Do you know that when we talk like that, we disinherit ourselves from God's property or our God-given blessing? Abraham said this in the echo of the voice of God, and he laughed at God. He laughed at God. What did Abraham do? He disinherited himself until he started doing what God told him to do. And as you read down from verse 23, he took Ishmael and Hagar and sent them away. He repented, and that was his act of repentance and his act of acceptance of inheritance. And so I want to talk to you about 
disinheriting your position or your rights because of what you think and how you feel instead of by what God has said. Now, we might condemn Abraham, but we weren't there. And if you were 86 years old, you'd probably be saying, God, I need vitamin B or something because I ain't got the energy to have a baby. I feel that way. All right, now, 2 Corinthians one twenty says these words. Yeah, there you go. For all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Now there are two things that that word says that is given to you and I. All the promises. Somebody say all of them. All of them are what? Maybe, sometimes, if you do everything right, if you're on the right track, and I'm in a good mood. What does it say? But do you know that there are many Christians that disinherit the promises of God because of their position as sons and daughters in Christ Jesus? And we do it with our words. We do it with our thinking. And what happens is we begin to cause ourselves to disinherit hope. Disinherit hope. Pastor Nikki preached a great message on hope last week. But many of us disinherit hope. And we disinherit hope because we think like ordinary people. There's nothing ordinary about you and I. God lives in us. We are not one of a thousand barns built out of a pattern. We are the temple of God. And the Holy Ghost dwells in you and I. There is no question, it is a God given spiritual fact. God lives in us. The Bible says that before we knew Christ, we were without hope. But there's not a believer in this place that is without hope no matter what you are going through and no matter how long you've been there. You are not without hope because every promise is the basis of of hope. In fact, the Bible tells us that this is the word of hope. That's found in Psalms 119, I think it's verse 42 to 47, says, yet will I hope in the Lord. God, the word that thou hast given me has invoked me to hope and trust in you. Listen, if you are without hope, if you're in a hopeless situation, I don't care if it's financial, I don't care if it's relational, I don't care if it's emotional, I don't care if it's physical, I do not care. Because there is hope in Christ Jesus. 
Without Jesus, you are without hope. There is no hope to escape the judgment of God in the face of your absence of being sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no hope for you, friend. I'd like to tell you a nice story. There is no hope for a sinner without a repentant heart. Now you might say, oh my word, you're preaching hard. Well, I hope that it's hard enough that your hardened heart gets it. But I'm telling you that the seasons of lukewarmness must be dealt with now. You may have tried a million times and ended up broken. You may have hoped, God, I'm going to live right. Then you try it and hope fails, hope deferred, and you become sickened and weak and discouraged and you disinherit yourself from purity. Well, I'm here to tell you today how to gain hope, not only gain it, but to possess it. Hallelujah. The Word of God is the birthplace of all hope. Remember, the Word comes as a servant and puts upon us a spirit of hope, a spirit of hope. Hope. What is hope? It is the expectancy, or it means to expect a God-given alternative to all of the evidence that is around you. That's hope. Let me say that again. What is hope? It is to expect, not accept, a condition, but to expect a God-given, the promise of God, of a God-alternative to everything or all evidence around you. All evidence around you. Met a man one time, and I really forget his name, I'm sorry, but he was laying in a hospital and he literally was rotting. He was rotting away. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. They cut his whole torso open, his chest cavity, and they had him laying there open, just an open chest. They couldn't hold him together and so what they did was they drilled little eyelid holes to lace his chest and his bones together to hold his lung and his heart and other organs inside of his body. I met this man. And he said that, I told doctors, I, I'm believing God. The doctor said, listen, I don't believe in God, but if you get a miracle and walk out of here, I'll believe. And he said, well, then you're going to be a believer. He said, yeah, right. Every day got worse. The stench got so bad in the room. He was literally decaying. He was literally decaying, lying in that hospital bed 
with no hope. But him and his wife and his father-in-law were believing God. And he said that that doctor that told me, I don't believe in God, there is no God, and you're going to die. He said he'd been in that day. And he said, I'd like to tell you that you're going to get better. He said, but you're dying. You are rotting laying in this bed. It's only a matter of time that the rot will overtake your life. Well, the next morning when that doctor came in, that man had unlaced himself and was sitting in the bed totally healed. They kept him for several days to do observation. And then that doctor that said there is no God rolled him out of the door of the hospital and watched him get in a car and drive away. I don't know what problem you're facing, but what I do know is you don't have strings holding you together. You don't have the stench of corruption on you. You are not hearing every day that you're not going to make it. Because I'm here to tell you that there is hope in Christ Jesus. And hope exists an alternative God outcome despite every chart hanging on the wall or on the foot of your bed. You say, well, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? I'm not talking about so-and-so. I'm talking about you. I don't know what so-and-so did. I don't know what so-and-so didn't do. I don't know why so-and-so didn't. I don't know why so-and-so couldn't. I'm talking to you. Don't use so-and-so for an excuse. Use God for a point of contact for an alternative outcome against all the evidence in the world. Hallelujah. Acts 27. Could I have Acts 27, 13 through 24? Yeah, 24. Acts 27 through 24. Again, I'm talking to you about hope and that the Word of God is the foundation of all hope. And if you get someplace that you aren't reading the Word of God, you'll make yourself hopeless. And it says, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they have obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after that, after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called ukulele. <laughs> now notice that the tempest rose against them. This tempest has a purpose. And then it says, and when the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind, we let her dive. Drive, I'm sorry. All right. Running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat. 
which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, staked sail, so they were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Now wait, what was the purpose of the tempest? To take away hope. If you get a man or a woman's hope, you have taken their faith to a non-existent level. Because faith is the substance of things. When hope comes, faith accompanies it to make it a reality. When ne- okay, uh, all hope. Okay. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and he said, Sirs, you should have listened to me and, know, and not have loosed from Crete and you would have gained, you would not have had to gain this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Right. There shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given, given these, thee all them that sail with thee. Where did Paul get hope? From the word that the angel spoke from God. How do we get our hope? From the word, the same place Paul got it, and then Paul rejoiced and declared boldly the outcome of the tempest, we know that it was demonic, so Paul defeated the assault of the devil against his hope and his faith. So Paul had hope, but he got it the same place that you and I get it, and that was from God. Amen? Now, I want to talk to you about how to get hope. Because some people think this. Here's what people think. Yeah, before me and the world went out, the world, whoa, remember the word that you, wow, wow, well, I did my daily reading. And then sometimes they'll buy a book, Seven Confessions to Complete Deliverance. I am not an idiot. God doesn't think I'm an idiot. If I bought this book, I've taken the first steps of not being an idiot. Don't confess you're stupid. You really aren't. 
Just because everybody says you are, believe God. And we buy those books. Nothing wrong with books. I like education. I think everybody should have it. Unless you're so stupid like me, you can't control it. So you got to just believe whatever you get from God. Now, I think education is great. But books that men write is just the birthplace of their hope and faith. Is not the birthplace of yours. But some people love eating regurgitated food. I'm not into that regurgitating stuff. I like mine fresh from the frying pan. I don't want Phyllis chewing it. I'm not a baby. I'm not that anymore. I have grown up. And I choose what I want to eat. It may not be right, but it makes me happy. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1.18. And then, then we're going to go down to chapter 4 and 14. 1 Timothy 1.18, watch this. This charge I command unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Everybody know what a prophecy is? It is an utterance of God, right? Speaking in the place of God to a human being. Which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now someplace in that prophecy, there are the weapons of victory. Right? Weapons of victory. Now let's go to 1 Timothy 4.14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by what? Prophecy. So the prophecy enables Timothy to live in a dimension of gifting that God has declared for him to possess. It was given to thee with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. What things? The prophecies that came from the presbytery. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear unto all. Now Paul tells Timothy that in these prophecies, in these giftings that has been declared unto you by men that have spoken in God's stead, in that is the ability to profit in your gifting, and in your life. But what does Paul say to Timothy? Meditate. Meditate. Meditation has, has really been so distorted and perverted in the Christian world that when you say meditate, we all think that we're supposed to sit down on our hunches and go, hum, boom, boom, boom. Uh, you know, I have no idea what all that, whom both, maybe they got interpreters, I don't know. But they sat down and we hum, and we have allowed Eastern cultic religions to steal the truth 
of meditation, remembering, and thinking about what God has said to you and I. Therefore, we do not war very good in warfare. We constantly fall short, give up, crumble, and end up defeated. And then we don't profit in life, and we never possess the gifting of God in our life. Now, we, we would say, well, you know, uh, uh, well, I, I, I'd like to have a prophecy. Why? W why? Well, well man, I, I heard it really makes you feel good. Why? Well, well you, you know, it's God speaking to me. Why? Well, because, because you don't want to listen to this. And if I, I asked one time, the whole congregation, how many of you have prophecy tapes at home? Almost everybody raised their hand up. I said, how many of you have done them? Not one of you. Not one of you. What a shame that God takes time to speak to a man and the man or woman, now don't, don't get offended, is too stinking lazy to do what God the Almighty said to do. Just think of that. So then you wonder why you don't hear God anymore. I wouldn't talk to you neither. I sent you to the marketplace. You went out, spent money, and you're still running. You're homeless in California someplace. No, you disobeyed God. You rejected him. You disinherited yourself from destiny. I'm not trying to be hard, but, you know, sometimes you've got to tell the truth. Sometimes when you step in cow piles, you ought to pay attention, get to the creek and wash it off. But most people just keep walking, hoping that lilies are going to sprout. Lilies are not going to sprout because you stepped into cow patty. Get to the creek, clean yourself up. Now, I'm telling you these things because seasons are changing. And I'm telling you, one day, we're going to stand before God. You might think that God's just going to laugh it off. You may fall down and laugh at God. In the throne when he says, what did you do with the talent I gave you? Ha! <laughs> Ah, oh, God, you knew I wouldn't do that. You know, I have praise God. You're gracious, God. You're it. I don't think so. But you can think whatever you want to think. But what we have to understand is that we are to meditate. So if we meditate, which means to revolve it in our mind, it means to mutter it over and over. It means to let it build an image in your mind. Now, that's what it means. Say, well, how do we meditate? How, how do we get that? Look, remember, your destiny lies within what you extract from what God declared about you. This right here is what God has said about you. But some of us just 
read it instead of meditating it. But remember what God told Joshua. You're going to fill Moses' shoes. And here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to observe and put the word of God before you every day. And when you do, it will speak to you and show you what you should do, and it'll make your way prosperous. Now, do you want to be a failure? Listen, this part is not for you. You want to stay where you're at? This part's not for you. You don't want to change? This part's not for you. You, 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 just, you don't want what God said for you? Just disinherit everything that God said. This part's not for you. She's not mad. She's coming back after you get rid of the baby. Uh, now, I want you to think that in this right here is the voice of God. This is the written word of God. The only way that you can reverse it and cause it to become the voice of God is that you meditate it. And when you meditate it, the Bible says in Proverbs 6, says that when your mother and father speak to you, bind it about your, ne your neck. Put it in your heart and think on it every day. And one day when you will rise up, what they said will speak to you. In other words, there is a voice within the voice. This is the Logos, the written word of God, but when it becomes rhema, or God speaks it to you, then hope is born and faith pursues to make it real. Now this is, you know, I'm sure you're saying, oh, that's so deep. Only about an inch deep in a creek. That's not even deep. Look, this is not deep stuff. This is baby stuff. But what happens is we just disinherit the things that God gives us. We disinherit hope because of the evidence all around us. We disinherit what faith can do. We disinherit that God loves us. I was thinking yesterday, I thought, I almost yelled out and asked Phyllis, Phyllis, how long do you think it takes for God to forgive a man for a corrupt, miserable, black sin? Soon as you ask him. Hmm. Does God go to work on the positive to make the promise that you speak out of your mouth, does he make it that real, that fast? Yes. So here... We see we are to meditate. Somebody say meditate. meditate. Means to it means to ponder. It means to keep thinking about it all the time. And when you do, automatically, this word one day is going to speak to you. It's going to speak to you. Years ago, 
I had a, I put a young man in a city in a church. We built that church, Phyllis, and I went up there for I don't know how long. On Thursday nights, we preached and we built church. Then we built, we bought an old bar. And uh, it, it even had all the liquor in it. Well, what'd you do with it? Well, we drank it. We're good stewards. <laughs> no, you didn't drink it. Praise God, we poured it all out, but we did sell the liquor license. Somebody complained. I said, well, you ain't paying the payments. Hallelujah. And uh, anyway, Phyllis and I uh, turned that old country and western stomping store into a church. Well, we were up there for th about three or four years, and then all of a sudden, we got a call that, hey, uh, I'm taking the church and I'm going down the road. Oh, okay. So he did. He took the church and went down the road except for a couple, two or three old ladies that needed help getting in and out of the church. And uh, I was thinking about that. I was heartbroken. And I've been wronged a lot in my Christian life. I just never let it affect me. But this was when I was young in ministry, and it affected me. I said, God, you know, my lawyer looked at the stuff and said, Pastor, this man has embezzled thousands of dollars. Let's just take him to court, let him do prison time. I said, absolutely not. I said, that city may never recover from a church split. I said, and we are not going to allow that to happen. So, I didn't do anything. I just wrestled with it. Phyllis and Nikki and Randy wanted to hire a Christian hitman. <laughs> it was not a good situation. They were madder than a hoot. Were you madder than a hoot, Randy? Oh, I was upset, but not a hitman upset. <laughs> Ed, did you want the hitman? Ed wanted the hitman. <clears throat> In fact, Ed said he'd do it on the side. <clears throat> but with his failing eyesight, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Anyway, this went on, and I was so, you know, when it rains, it pours. You ever notice that? Well, I was uh, just wrestling with this, and all of a sudden, I woke up one morning, and the Lord spoke to me and said, son, give him whatever he needs to succeed. I said, what? <laughs> so, I called him and said, what do you need to succeed? He said, well, I want the Bible college transferred to my church. I want this, and I want that, I want this. I said, okay. I said, I'll meet you at Bob Evans in Lima, and I'll give you all that stuff. So I met him there. And, uh, and I told him, I said, now I'm giving you all this stuff. I said, but realize this. I'm not getting in bed with you for you to do to me what you did to me this time. And he said, okay. So he took all the stuff went down the road well that afternoon I got a telephone call hey pastor my wife and I'd like to take you out to supper that usually means we want to reformulate the church and exclude you and I've had people say that to me do not think that I have it I've had people tell me you're too stupid to pastor this church God told me I'm supposed to and somewhere in the midst of that, 
I got a word from God. I might be stupid, but I'm not dumb enough to let you stay in my church. Get out. And that Sunday morning, they weren't there, and I told the congregation what happened. I said, now, if any of you want to go with them, I told them, open the doors. I said, please, get out now. Well, thank God, nobody went. And uh, anyway, that man and, that, and his wife took the church. I put another person in there, built up the church, and then what I did was I transferred it to another ministry. That ministry has since built a new church building, and the church is still going on. But the couple that took us out to eat, you know, took us to a real nice steak restaurant. You know, the more they spend, the worse it's going to be. I was hoping they'd just drive us through McDonald's. and Maybe we'd eat a hamburger on the way to, you know, the, the counseling session. And, uh, but he said, Pastor, I want to tell you what the Lord told us. I thought, God... I tried to push the steak knife as far away from me as I possibly could. <laughs> I, I couldn't envision the equalizer. Have any of you saw the... I watch it on, on VidAngel. So, but I could just imagine my mind. <laughs> and and I, I, so I thought, I, God, give me wisdom. <laughs> I put it over into Phyllis's court. I figure at least one of us could watch the church. The other one could start a new ministry in prison. So, and, and then the man said this. God told me to take you out and buy you a brand new car of your choice. I said, that's Jesus. I feel the presence of God. And I, he said, do you know what kind you want? I said, absolutely. I went out to the Jeep dealer in Lima, Ohio and picked out the most expensive Jeep I could find, cheap Cherokee, gold package. I said, that's the one. He called the guy in the middle of the night and said, look, can you have this ready in the morning? They said, yeah. I was there at 4 o'clock in the morning. I thought that's what they meant by morning. <laughs> well, I never got it to 10. And then he calls me the next day and says, Pastor, we made a mistake when we were supposed to buy you a car. And I thought, I am not giving that car back. I'm going to get in it and run for it. He said, we were supposed to buy Pastor Phyllis a new car too. So send her out to the Cadillac dealer and pick her out a car. So we did. And God turned that around. Years later, that young man came to our church and asked me to forgive him. And I did. His wife came with us and asked us to forgive her, and we did. What I'm telling you is that as you meditate and think about the promises of God, when that voice comes to you as it did to Paul, in a tempest designed by the devil to destroy Paul's future and to stop the gospel, Paul heard a word from God. Now, again, you may be hopeless when all hope is gone. But if you will get in here and start looking at the scriptures, 
When you find the Scriptures and you start meditating them, they will speak to you. And when they speak to you, it doesn't matter what way the wind is blowing. It doesn't matter what is happening to the ship. It doesn't matter what people are doing. You will declare the word of the Lord. And hope will be born in your life. Now remember, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith always accompanies hope in order to cause it to become a reality. And so when that hope comes, faith comes with it. Hope without faith does not exist. Faith without hope does not exist. But together, they produce God's determined or alternative outcome for your life despite all the evidence that is around you. Remember that you and I have faith. It is a part of our inheritance. 2 Peter 1, 2 says that we have obtained like precious faith, just like Peter had. through the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have faith. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, He that believeth in Jesus Christ is he that hath faith. Therefore, he that is born of Christ can overcome the world. Overcome the world. Romans 12, 3, God has given every believer the measure of faith. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with your faith. All you need to do is find a promise of hope. I don't care if you're broke. Let me say this to you. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6, in their deep poverty, abounded to their liberality, and they begin to give. They were hopeless. How can we get out of this? Paul came. Light went on. I can give myself out of poverty. As I give, it'll be given back to me. I don't know. I don't understand it. But I do know that that's the hope that I have. That is the hope that I have. The doctors have told you, you're going to die. You're going to give up. We've heard that several times. The outcome is going to be horrible. We've heard that several times in our family. But we have not given up. And we're still here living, abiding, hoping, and using faith. Now, Paul's storm didn't end overnight, but it did end. And the end was just like Job's. He left that island with more than he came with. You have hope that by his stripes ye were healed. I can take you to the shop, the corner that I was turning when 1 Peter 2.24 became real to me. 
And God healed me. Healed me. And you can have the very same thing. Meditate on it. Don't just say, oh yeah, I've been memorizing. No, 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 no. Meditate it. Chew it up. You know, you can put a steak in your mouth and still starve to death. You got to chew the thing. Chew it. Chew it. Chew it. Start meditating on it. Meditating on it. You only have one thing to do in life. The area that you need hope in, you start meditating on. Now, if you want to live hopeless, listen, we love you. God loves you. But you can do better. You can do better. Amen? Find the promise. Give birth to hope. And I'm telling you, faith is there to make that hope come to pass. You have relational problems? Been there, done that. Think about what are you doing? Why are you so needy for your spouse to become everything that you need for her to be for you to be happy? You are not that miserable. Come on, you are not that miserable. Amen. Start doing unto her what you would have her do unto you. How about self-esteem? How about not being able to bear a child? Remember, Find hope, but hope without faith mixed with it will simply be an unfulfilled desire. Come on, let's start mixing faith with the hope that God deposits when He speaks. When you hear God speak, It'll be like a thousand drinks of cool water. It will be like a thousand torches being lit on the inside of you. You will come alive. You will know that he is alive. You will know that you can do it. You will know that God is on your side. But faith, hope without faith, folks, won't do anything. First, come on in, bud. Hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Rigel, Rigel, get, get, what are you doing? Running around trying to get an offering? Get in there, Rigel. I'll tell you. He was at the house the other day and eating breakfast. And uh, he said he liked Phyllis's cooking. She went over and kissed him. So I discovered a new way to approach Phyllis. And then later, I, we asked him, did you eat them fried apples? No. Did you like them? No. Did you eat the biscuit? No. Did you like them? No. Did you try the gravy? Yeah. Did you like the bacon? Yeah. 
So I said, you got the kiss, then you told the truth. <laughs> yep, hallelujah. So, if you want a kiss from a woman, tell her how good her cooking is. <laughs> Lie a little. Rigel did, hallelujah. Lied right through them little teeth, hallelujah. <clears throat> now, let's stand our feet today. If you are here today, without Jesus, there is no hope for you. There is no way to be good enough. There is no way to be forgiven. There is no way to be reconciled unto God except to come to Jesus Christ. And that means this, that you've got to put him first. God will not accept Christless Christians. You must put God first. You must make him Lord of your life. Jesus, whatever you need, whatever you want, I surrender all. You know, we used to sing that song, I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, how proceeding I surrender all. It's not a half heart, not church attendance. It's not going to first step. It's you giving your heart to Jesus Christ. I know you face struggles. I face them too. I know you face challenges. I face them too. Everybody faces them. Oh, but God hath anointed us, enabled us, empowered us to rule over sin and not to be ruled by it. If you're here today, and you're a backslider. Come home. You're here today and you're not a Christian. If you're a Christless Christian, if you're attending this church thinking because you feel good, that that's verification that God accepts a sinful life, You've been deceived. You're here today. You're not a Christian. I'm going to ask you to take the boldest step that I guess that any man could take. And that's to make your way out from the chair that you're in, the pew that you're in, and come down here and before men. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. You're here today. And you're not a Christian. Can we sing that song, I Surrender All? Do we? They're saying, oh my word, where's that song? Do you know it, Regina? Okay, good. Come on right out here and start singing it. Or I'll start singing it. Okay, let's... let's. All right, while we're singing this song, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want you to please step out in the aisle that is nearest you. No service 
is complete until every sinner faces his sin. If you're here today, step out in the aisle that is nearest you and come meet me down here right at the altar so I can pray with you. Come, hallelujah. Render all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, blessed Savior. If you're a Christless Christian today, now's the time to change that right now. Right now, one more time. Render all. I surrender all. Blessed Savior, I John, could you come up and pray with these men? You know, it takes courage. It takes courage to receive Jesus. It takes courage to live for Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody stretch forth your hands towards these men. Father, we loose blessing upon these men. We pray, God, that you would just engulf them in your presence, in your love, God, show clearly the way that we can walk into our inheritance. And God, I ask you to enrich them and bless them. God, make Jesus so real to them that God, their faith will leap forward into new levels. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. John, will you take them and pray with them? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. I love you and I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for every word that you put in men's mouths. That, God, they would write these tablets of life that we may have them written upon our hearts and that, God, we could have hope and faith. We will not stay in hopelessness for we are not men without Christ. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. God, may your blessings touch lives and homes today. God, re oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, I see people even without jobs, provisions being made. Dig the wells that the forefathers have dug with hope that there is water. Dig, 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 saith the Lord. 
Let not the enemy fill your wells. Let not the Philistines fill them up. Let not carnality, let not unholiness, let not fearfulness, let not hopelessness keep the waters of salvation from flowing, saith the Lord of hosts. Rise up and dig, my people. Rise up and dig. For there is water waiting for you to drink from. In Jesus' name, be not hopeless. Be not faithless. For you are my people. You are my sons and daughters. Join heirs with Christ Jesus. Live in the life that I've given you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. See you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Praise the Lord.